Hello and welcome to Potlucky, a weed sommelier podcast. My name is Liz and I'm your host and weed sommelier. I review strains, recommend things to munch on, and talk to guests about their history with weed. I've been a consumer for nine years and I am located in southern Maine, where it is legal medically and recreationally. I am joined today by local cryptid Zach Walsh, uh, the business development manager for Coastal Vape Co. Been trying to get Zach on the show for a number of months now since NECAN, I think back in November. Um, but you know what? This was a mutually mutually assured rescheduling multiple times. I have no anger. Zach, you're finally on the show. Welcome. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes. How long have you been a weed consumer? And do you have any weedy credentials you'd like to share? Ooh, weed consumer. My first time I smoked, I was 15 years old going into my sophomore year of high school. So that would have been 2010 going into 2011. So a little bit over a decade, I guess now. It's kind of crazy to say out loud. How old are you, Zach? I don't normally uh, ask people this because I like the mystery, but I think we may... <laughs> I am... Uh... 27 i was born in 95 okay i was born in 97 so i was thinking wait that sounds really similar to my sophomore year of high school but it was a it was a bit later okay um, cool cool yeah do you have any weedy credentials you'd like to share um don't really have any weedy credentials uh, i didn't haven't been like arrested for it or anything like that um yeah unfortunately i wouldn't say i really have any weed credentials you ever grown just for like a hobby and yeah other? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's actually, I just finished up. Oh, okay, cool. I guess I didn't think of that. Uh, I just actually finished up my uh, second harvest. I just have a small five by five tent in my basement here. I did six plants last time and it came out pretty well. So cool. I'm glad I got a credential then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not the one that decides these things. It's more like the people that come on the show decide these things. And then I just, okay. if they say something, I'm going to say, you know what, that's a weed credential. Uh there's no official oh, yeah. like big sash for patches or anything. <laughs> there could be official uh, potlucky merchandise, but um, I was gonna say that might be something on the horizon for you. Yeah, we're definitely gonna talk about merchandising today. Uh, would you like to share a little bit more about Coastal Vape Co? What do you guys? Yeah, do? absolutely. Uh, so we are a uh, factory direct vape hardware manufacturer. So what that means is more or less just we own a majority stake in our factory overseas where we manufacture a variety of different vape products. Uh, they're all THC related, no e-cigs or anything like that. But we do, you know, the dab cartridges, we do pods, disposables, we do custom branded batteries for retail storefronts. So more or less anything vape related, uh, we can just about do it up at our factory uh, we have just shy of 20 PhD engineers there. So we've even had, you know, clients come to us with just kind of an idea in their head or a direction they wanted to go in. And we were actually able to make that come to life. So pretty cool how we're able to do that. Uh, and we were founded in 2018, 2019. It was actually kind of a, a touch and go time. It was when there was a, we call it vape gate going on when there was all that vitamin E and stuff that was happening. Uh, so that wasn't, the most ideal time to start up a vape company, but uh, it actually kind of worked out well in our favor because overseas there were a lot of layoffs at the factory level due to all that. So our CEO and founders, they're actually able to go in and hire a lot of former, you know, AVD, C-Cell, Jupiter engineers. So we bring that same, you know, high quality products as, uh, you know, the big dogs in the space. Interesting. So when you say they're overseas, do you know when you, uh, where the uh, factory is located? Like what country? 
Uh, yeah, it's in China. So it's in Shenzhen, where a majority of all the uh, manufacturing is done. Interesting. Um, do you know how to spell that by any chance? Oof. Uh, I think it's S-H-E-N-Z-H-E-N. Uh, there could be a C that I am missing in there as well. You know, with some, like with German, there's almost always like a secret letter or like an yeah. H or a K. With I, I, I'm pretty great at English and therefore I'm limited, you know, in other areas. But um, I mean, that's not how it always works. It's just I focused on English and other languages have kind of passed me by. I can do a little ASL and a teeny tiny bit of baby French, but that's that's about it for my um my language sash for the, you know, the badges <laughs> that I have. Um okay. Would you like to know about this week's weed product? Yeah, I'd love to. Yes, my good friend M of Loud and Local and their brother Duncan. Um, I ran into them at a weed networking holiday event that I went to in early December. Thank you, Independent Diamond Brokers, for putting that on again. Um, and for putting out the weed yearbook, which I'll talk about later. Um, but while we're focusing on uh, Loud and Local, Loud and Local... Our li live soil sibs, I believe, is their tagline. Um, I've had their stuff before, and I am I am very fond of Fluffernutter, the product we will be enjoying today. Um, well, you'll probably be enjoying something else. I will be hotboxing my bathroom because I'm out of Wi-Fi <laughs> elsewhere in my house. So um, I, I will enjoy it, and I guess I'll try to convey through verbal means how good this stuff is. Okay, I love it. Yeah. Moving on to the munchy moment of the week. What do you like to snack on when you have the munchies, Zach? Yeah, I'd, I'd have to say my my go-to for a long, long time has been uh, the Nutter Butter Cookies. I'd say when um for the munchies specifically, it's the mini ones that come in the bags. Those are those are definitely my kryptonite. I can't stop myself around those. Oh, you mean the kind that you can pour into a bowl and make cereal with? Exactly. <laughs> Cookie Crisp introduced us to a very dangerous idea. Yeah, um, for sure. I've seen people make mini chocolate chip cookies to do cereal with, but um, cereal's already really unhealthy. Um, and it bastardizes series. You know, there's not enough grain in that cereal to be called cereal. You know what I mean? Oh, they no, should call yeah. it sugarol. <laughs> You're not wrong. It takes big hit of a joint. That's a that's a very stoner thing to say. And I haven't even smoked yet today. <laughs> All right. My recommended munch for the week is, um, you know, any kind of bell pepper is a good bell pepper to me. The green ones are great. All the other ones have a different kind of flavor that are, you know, it's a it's a peppery rainbow. However, instead so of, nice. you know, I know people like to cut them into that kind of, you know, traditional pepper dip and shape in which it's perfect for, say, some ranch dressing or honey mustard. However, what I'm advertising today is eating it as if it were an apple. Um, just taking a big, fresh bite of a, a you know a recently cleaned red bell pepper. I, I've been eating at least a bell pepper a day for the past couple weeks because uh, I believe they might have been seeing it's winter and that's something I need. <laughs> so uh, my my munchy moment for this week is getting baked and just eating something as if it were an apple. I don't recommend this with like an orange, but like an avocado, you could do it. Okay. Yeah. So um. Man, I'm just thinking of any other fruit that we eat as if an apple, where we we eat the outside and then just kind of leave the core. I wonder. I wonder, bananas you peel and then you eat the inside and throw away the uh, outside. Peaches. Yes. Yeah, I could say eat like a peach, but I feel like that has some social connotations. 
Um, <laughs> but uh, my my recommended munch for this week is peppers as if they were apples. All right. Now, Zach, do you know what time it is? I think I do. What time is it, Zach? Is it the Puff Puff Pass peer review? Uh, yes, we will. Okay, we got to do the Puff Puff Passing first, and then we will do the peer review. But Zach, okay. are you ready to do some weed? I am. We are back. Zach has a weed word that he would like to share with us. If you or a friend have a word that you think deserves more airtime, leave us a message on Anchor. Make sure to include your name, a definition, and its use in a sentence. I guarantee you, if you do this, it will be on the show pending absolute foulness. All right, take it away, Zach Walsh. All right, great. So I guess I actually have a couple. I just thought of another one, right, when you mentioned it. Uh, so the first one, I can't really take credit for. I did get it from my girlfriend. It's what uh, her and all her friends would say in high school when they wanted to go smoke or if they were already high or something like that. Uh, it's SCOM, S-K-O-M. So they would say something like, who's trying to SCOM? Are you trying to get SCOMed or something like that? And uh, that was just in their town, their little universal term for, hey, let's go smoke. So I thought that one was pretty funny. I had no idea what it was the first time she said it. And I only live, you know, I grew up one town over from her. So I thought it was funny. I'd never heard of that. Did you grow up in Maine? Uh, no, I grew up uh, right south of Boston in Massachusetts. Ah, oh, cool beans. I was born in Boston. Um, don't remember that. I was too small. <laughs> uh, you said you had another couple words you wanted to trot out? Yeah, the other one I had was uh, one that me and my friends actually used throughout high school school uh it's, it's more of an acronym than a word i guess but we would still say it out loud uh s-a-b or sab uh smoke a blunt so we would you know text our group message or text our friends whatever and just say like hey who's trying to sab and then everybody knew it's just who's trying to smoke a blunt yeah excellent thank you very much you know normally i have to ask people to use it in a sentence so i can get a feel for the usage however you've knocked that out of the park thank you zach oh, perfect of course all right, uh, on to Puff Pass peer review. How are you feeling, Zach? I'm feeling, I'm feeling nice. Very cool. Would you like to talk about what you had a had a good puff on while you were uh, in the smoke break? Yeah, for sure. So I actually ripped a dab of uh, some top shelf care. Uh, it was a house blend, I think, actually done by a Salty Cultivation up in Maine. Hair with a K. Uh, top shelf care with a C. They're a, uh, a caregiver up in Maine. Oh, okay. I thought Top Shelf was modifying, you know, the kind of weed as opposed to the name of the company. No, no. Yeah. So he's a uh, a caregiver. It's Top Shelf Care up in Maine. He's got great selection. Great guy. Well, Top Shelf Care will have to put you in the show notes. All right. So moving on to the visual examination and bag appeal. This, um, I'm holding what I have been de describing in my mind as a Keefe container, or a Keefe coffin, if you will. I, it's, I believe, made from hemp plastic. I've gotten dupe tubes from Loud and Local before um, that are, you know, hemp plastic. And this looks very similar. Um, yep, and on the bottom it says, Santa Packaging Sustainable Hemp Solutions Made in USA. Um, I was befuddled by this. It was as if it were one of those puzzle boxes from back in the day when rich people had a lot of money and too much time on their hands. Um, so I 
this came in a little bag of like a that was sealed you know just kind of um like a saran bag that like chips or whatever would be in um to keep it nice and sealed i don't know if this thing is airproof probably not um it is a very very secure container um and i will be hanging on to this i whenever someone would come over to my house i think i had like three of my friends do this i would hand them the container and ask them to open it for me um and like I would just watch them do it. And so it I I it took on average, I want to say like 90 seconds to maybe five minutes for us to figure out how to open this container. Like looking on the side, it doesn't like show any kind of instructions. It doesn't show any instructions on the top. Um, but looking underneath, um, you can kind of feel that there's like words underneath it, but you really do have to like flip it over and catch it in the light to see correctly. Um, and then it has ins instructions on the bottom, which I suppose is, you know, another good place to put it. There should be hints on the side though, because I was confused. Um, it says pink pinch box sides uh, with this side down slide lid. Um, yeah, and it has some handy arrows. However, I wish there was like a bigger clue as to how this would open. Um, I mean, it added to the excitement. I was probably already a little baked, perhaps. Um, but, you know, the other people that I asked to open this, two of them don't even do weed anymore. So, um, yeah, I, oh man, this container, after I figured out how to open it, I, I felt pretty secure in my weed not getting knocked over, you know, going all over the floor. Also, it's like surprisingly brown. I know most people prefer to show their stuff off with like clear or white. So the product really stands out because most flower is on like the brown or greener shade. However, like opening this bad boy, like Keefy Coffin really came to mind. Like beautiful, gorgeous buds were just hanging out, nestled in a box as if it were like an old timey egg garden, perhaps. Um, the box is now empty. I've been picking away at this and taking notes and I really enjoyed this flower. Thank you, M and Duncan, for handing it to me. Um, I dig the color palette on top. You kept it simple, loud and local, your logo. Uh, it doesn't have the rainbow on it, which I believe it normally does in the background, but I, I know what your uh, logo looks like from a uh, distance because I'm familiar with your product. has a nice big contains THC sticker that you can theoretically seal this with. I peeled it away and I could, you know, put it back on, but this was in a, you know, a bigger plastic container that was airtight. So this is, this is a pretty trustworthy container in my opinion. Uh, moving on to more of the weed itself, the odors were a tiny bit gassy, but more almost waxy, um, like a, like a, how a candle is waxy and earthy. This felt like a kind of weed that you would like go and sit outside on like an early morning and you're like, you know what, there's no one else awake, I may as well, you know, smoke a doobie outside in my front yard. Not that I've done that. Um, Let's see, Fluffernutter, you you were an excellent indica. Um, you know, I'm not a huge fan of false binaries, but um, that's what this this bad uh, carton says. No, it's a good carton. This bad Larry of a carton says indica. I trust it. Um, these these nugs were almost perfectly dosed for like the bowl I had. Like I could pick one up and crumble it within my fingers, and you know, dust the keef off, and then light it, and I was like, good to go. It was almost as if like um, it was like a like a pill dispenser, how all of them are like, oh, 10, 10 milligrams of whatever. Like I could just pick a little bud out and then crumble it. And if I need another one, I could pick up another wee one and be good to go. Um, the buds were on the smaller size, probably smaller than my thumbnail, which, you know, I, if I appreciate the small things in life, like those small frying pans at grocery stores or the small cheese graters or small bottles of ketchup. That's just me. And I appreciate this. Um, the one nug I did have 
wholesome and hanging around um, was, uh, I want to say, just under half a gram, 0.42. That's probably the largest one in the box. Um, but perfectly satisfying. I... Like, I guess, I guess I described it as, like, a fuck-off big diamond kind of shape. Like, if you saw, like, a, a rock of some sort in that shape, um, I don't, I should have taken a picture beforehand, but if, if that nug was mounted on a ring, it would be a fuck-off big diamond. Um, and that's what I have to say. So, thank you very much, Emmett and Duncan. Groovy, I will shout you out in the Instagram post. Um, yeah. Anything you'd like to say, Zach, about, uh, you know... Will you will you had the pleasure of enjoying? I know you mentioned it earlier, but uh, I'm baked and I feel like I talked for too long. So now it's your turn. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, like I said, it's a uh, it's a house blend, so it's not a specific strain or anything. Uh, but I, I really like it. I'm not usually the biggest fan of the house blend because you can't really tell what's in there. But I figured I'd pull Triggs. I've had salty cultivation before, and I've always been a fan of his stuff. And uh, I was definitely not disappointed. It's uh, it's it's got almost kind of like a fruity cookie smell to it mm. it's tough to pinpoint yeah because like i said it's the house blend so it's a few strains so i think it's uh you know maybe like i don't know how many are in it but i've had flour of his before and other extracts and i kind of get a few different types that i've smelt before so i was definitely uh, definitely happy with it it's got a, a very nice kind of clean high not not overwhelming or anything, but definitely still feel it and you know that you're high. So definitely a fan of it. I'll probably end up picking up more very soon. Man, isn't that the best feeling when someone's like, oh, could I have more of that? Of like something you made? Yeah. Yeah. Feels good. I uh made French onion soup last night with Christmas leftovers. Um Ooh. yeah, my my uncle made um prime rib and i was like hey can i take home that greasy pan and carol said sure as long as you bring it back washed and she's my she's my aunt and so i used those pan drippings i roasted some beef bones i grabbed an anjou packet i you know doctored up some stock incredible that is an honorary munch but i feel like i brought it up before on the show because i make french onion soup pretty regularly hey i love french onion soup nothing wrong with that I wish I wish I had onion goggles so I would stop tearing for killing all those onions. <laughs> all right, moving on to blowing smoke, the interview portion. What was your first experience with weed, Zach? Yes, so I'll never forget it. I remember I was uh, it was probably five of us. I was going into my sophomore year of high school, and uh, there was a big kind of wooded area behind this basketball court that me and all my friends would hang out at. And for whatever reason, I'd seen my friends smoking before, but for whatever reason on that day, it was a, an early September afternoon. I just figured I'd try it after, you know, watching them do it so often. And the first time I actually didn't really get high. I don't know if other people have had that same experience, but Absolutely. I don't really, yeah, I don't really remember anything. I remember kind of being a little disappointed, honestly, when I was leaving. But then my friend told me that the first time you don't really feel it, it's the second time that you do. And then the second time was when I really fell in love. Uh, there was a smaller group that time. It was actually just the next day, but it was just me and then two of my friends. And one of them was our kind of group token pothead. So he uh, he always was the one that rolled and always had everything. So it was just us three. And we smoked another joint in that same wooded area behind the basketball courts. And I didn't really feel anything right away. But then we hopped on our bikes and we were uh, riding our bikes to KFC and I remember 
Yeah, I remember riding my bike and almost like having an outer body experience, like watching myself like ride my bike down the street. And it's maybe a 30 second bike ride, but I felt like it was an hour. And we got to KFC, ate a, you know, gross amount of food, KFC Taco Bell. So we had a little bit of everything. And uh, yeah, from there, it was just full speed ahead. I, I fell in love with it and I haven't really looked back since. Wow. So your history of consumption is pretty consistent then? No big breaks? Uh, there was one break, I guess, in high school after my... Uh, it was about nine months, maybe. It was after my parents actually caught me smoking, so they grounded me. <laughs> and uh, from there, I just I was a lot more kind of cautious around it, like just my parents being on the lookout for it, so I didn't want to get in trouble again. But then right when I graduated high school and went to college, my first night that I moved into college, my roommate had a, uh, a little bit of weed and a pipe, and he was like, oh, you want to go smoke out back? And we went and smoked out back, and I was like, okay. I remember why I like this. We're going to go right back into it. And then from that, from that day forward, it was the same thing. I don't think I took a, I don't think I've had a single day where I didn't smoke since then. Interesting. Thank you for sharing that. Um, what did you, what did you study in college? Uh, so I was a uh, finance major and I had a minor in economics. Uh, so, I mean, I did work finance for a few years after, but yeah, my, my heart just wasn't in it. Uh, I was always the guy in the office. I got, you know, selling weed in the office. Like I was always the token pothead, people coming up, asking questions, all that stuff. And eventually I just, you know, COVID hit, started working remote. I was just sitting in my basement on the computer all day. And I was like, I can't do this the rest of my life. So I was like, I don't know what I want to do, but I know I want to work with weeds. So I quit. And, uh, I actually, I worked at a dispensary for about a year uh, here in Massachusetts. I was in packaging and uh, the whole time I was doing that, I was in contact with my now boss at Coastal Vape Co. I've known him for years and I was more or less just waiting for them to be ready to bring someone else on. And after about a year at the dispensary, they were ready to expand. So I uh, left the dispensary and I've been doing this with Coastal Vape Co. for about nine months now, nine, 10 months. Awesome. Where are you guys located? Uh, so we're, uh, we're all over the country. We have a rep in uh, LA as well as Vegas. And then me and my direct boss are here in Massachusetts. So we have a warehouse here in Massachusetts, as well as a warehouse in uh, LA as well. Neat. All right. Um, do you have a general preference for how you, uh, you rip, rip that, uh, that, that herb? Yeah, I would say uh, I'm definitely a dab guy. Uh, I just find that I it helps me to save it a lot more, uh, you know, kind of just I'll pick up an ounce and that'll last me maybe like a month, a month and a half versus if I pick up, you know, an ounce of flour, that'll last me maybe like two weeks tops. And uh, so I don't know, I just felt from a consumption standpoint, dabs were definitely uh, kind of more frugal for me. But I mean, I don't discriminate. I, I love flour as well. I got my bong here in front of me. I, I rip bowls all day too. But uh, if I had to choose, I, I would probably say dabs for sure. Interesting. I um, I did a game show episode called Truth or Dab or Dab for the podcast where um, we had like, are you familiar with Sean Evans and Hot Ones on YouTube? Yeah, I am. 
Okay, so we got the the game and we made one of the dabs, like weed dabs. Um, but I feel like we went around the circle a couple of times and I didn't really feel it. Um, so I feel like I could do dabs all day, but do you feel like they particularly medicate you effect, uh, efficiently? Yeah, so I would say it really does depend on the type of dabs. Uh, I have a few different rosins that I'll kind of save for special occasions. And the rosins being, you know, full spectrum, those really can knock your socks off versus I have some BHO type stuff. It's a little cheaper that uses kind of just like my daily driver. And I definitely notice the effects, but not as much as any of the rosin or anything. But, uh, you know, rosin is just crazy expensive. So not I uh, can't afford a full rosin diet yet, but one day, one day we'll get there. <laughs> Now, earlier during the smoke break, you mentioned one of your clients, um, and I wrote down the phrase rosin pod system, and that just, that sounds very pleasing to my ears. Would you mind telling me more? Yeah, for sure. So that was something that I was really excited about, because um, I mean, you know, two, three years ago, cartridges and pretty much all vape, even disposables and everything, it was just distillate that everybody was putting in it. There wasn't really a whole lot of variety with it. So that's obviously changed in the last about six months to a year, I'd say. But uh, we had that client at the same time, I think it was about six, seven months ago, he contacted us and he said, hey, like, I want to make a rosin pod system. I know you guys don't have it, but, you know, what's it going to take for us to work together for you guys to build that for me? So, like I said, it took about six, seven months, but our engineers at the factory, our reps here and the client himself were going back and forth did a bunch of different iterations, all different internal settings. So that we were really trying to avoid any clogging with the rosin, any burning of the terps or anything like that. And after about, I think, four or five iterations, yeah, we finally nailed the model on the head and they knocked it out of the park. It's really great. Uh, there's absolutely like no clogging with it. It's full, uh, it's a half gram, but you get a full experience with the flavor the whole way through. The terps don't diminish or anything like that. So it was really great because before that, you know, our engineers didn't have a whole lot of experience with rosin, but now they really know the perfect way to set all our internals to work just flawlessly with it. And we'll adjust the internals accordingly for whatever extracts going in it. So say you were just putting a basic Delta 9 distillate with, you know, 10% terpene cut, we would do a way different, you know, intake hole and internal voltage setup versus that rosin pod system that I mentioned. So the different types of oils and extracts really does play a factor in, you know, what kind of internals you need to set all the hardware at. So how do you go about that process of matching, say, something with a different consistency of the right container? Yeah, great question. So, I mean, the biggest, that's one of the first things we ask for is just what, you know, is going in it. If it's a live resin, you know, full spectrum, or like I said, if it's a distillate, what percent terpene cut. So we try to find out all that information up front. And what we do a lot of the time as well is we keep samples stateside. So we'll send out samples for people to try and, you know, all of our samples that we have are geared basically just for distillate. So say that, you know, you're using a rosin, I'll say, you know, I know that this is geared toward distillate, but fill it up, see how it goes. If it leaks, then we know we have to change the intake hole. If it burns, like we'll change this. So a lot of the times we'll send out samples, have them kind of do a smaller trial run. And then that way we'll see how the hardware performs. Cause I've actually had a few instances where I've sent them out thinking that there's going to be issues and we'd have to make changes, but 
you know, their oil ends up working fine with it. So we do that a lot of the time to try and make sure that, you know, if we do need to make changes, we will, but then if we don't, you know, then we won't. So. Mm -hmm. What different options do you have available for containers? And why, why are those options available? So, okay, backing that up a little bit, like, um, you know, what, what market needs are you guys fulfilling? I, I guess I should say. Yeah, great question. So, I mean, we have all, all sorts of vape hardware, so more or less anything, but we've definitely seen an uptick in uh, people looking for disposables recently. Uh, at the same time, we've been doing more with pods as well to try and cut back on the waste. But we're constantly developing new products. Like I mentioned, we do almost have 20 PhD engineers on staff. So we're always trying to kind of stay ahead in the game. Uh, I feel like from what I've seen over the last year, uh, people are kind of moving away from cartridges a little bit. Uh, I think, you know, cartridges are always going to be around. They're kind of like a staple at this point, but definitely seen a lot more interest in disposable systems and pod systems as well. So, I mean, I think that vaping isn't going to go anywhere anytime soon, just in my opinion, uh, just with how discreet it is and, and not so much in Massachusetts, but in other states with the price of how cheap you can get, you know, different disposables and stuff like that. I think that it's going to only continue to pick up steam over time. So, I mean, we have some clients that are doing, you know, six figure hardware orders. So we've definitely seen a lot, a lot of scale up from there as well. Wow. So with this push towards keeping up with the future, how are you keeping up with waste management? Do you have any plans um, for, you know, the products that you produce? How can you, you know, take them out of like a landfill? Like what, you know, what kind of environmental factors are you guys thinking about? Yeah, so actually there is a, uh, a brand local here in Massachusetts that only deals specifically with vapes. Uh, they do cartridges, disposables, a few others, and they actually have a uh, recycling program. So that's been something that we've been trying to look into as well to actually see, you know, how maybe we could go about doing something similar. Because like I mentioned, we've seen a lot of an uptick in disposables, but at the same time, I've seen a lot of people uh, that, you know, are a little bit hesitant to go with disposables because of the environmental impact. So we've been trying to push raw the pod systems a lot. So that way it's at least, you know, one battery that someone has and they just replace the pods and the pods mm -hmm. themselves, uh, those don't have an eye on battery in them or anything. So those would be recyclable, but uh, we've trying to been kind of go that route as well. But just that, that lithium ion battery, it's, it's really hard to try and get that to you know, actually become recyclable. So it's something that's definitely on the horizon for us. I know that we're going to kind of have a few little bit more in-depth conversations about it now that we're in our uh, kind of Chinese New Year lull here for the mm -hmm. next few months. Uh, so we're going to get together as a team and talk about different initiatives. I know that's high up on the list for us, for sure. Do you have any products that are like, what's the easiest thing to recycle or reuse or, you know, put in its proper place that you guys produce? Um, I'd say just probably our basic cartridge. Uh, if you have, you know, just our, our basic stainless steel twist on cartridge, you could refill that if you wanted. Uh, you'd probably only be able to get, you know, maybe two or three uses out of it before the atomizer was kind of toast. But as long as you were using the same, you know, extract in it, you could use that for a few runs for sure. So that would be one that's uh, kind of refillable. And then that one as well, we do a uh, ceramic cartridge as well. So if, if you did that, you know, there's not going to be any stainless steel or any sort of metals in it at all. So the ceramic as well would be a little bit easier to recycle. 
another question that I had. Um, so I'm the kind of person that saves, uh, not everything, but like I have a bag of dube tubes in my closet. I've saved every, I don't know what else to call them, but like an e-roach where it has just a little bit of that stuff on the bottom. Yeah. Um, and I, is there any way, like what, what should I do with those? Am I saving those for no reason or can I, can uh, I repurpose uh, those somehow? Um, I mean, it's a little bit tough depending on how long they've been sitting because after I think that the shelf life on a filled, you know, cartridge is about a year. So if it's been sitting for longer than a year, there is potential that maybe some of the terpenes that were in that extract might have leached some of the heavy metals into it. I know that's what, um, at least in Massachusetts, it's a year long shelf life before you might start seeing issues like that. So at that point, if they've been sitting that long, I would personally avoid using them just in case there has been any leaching or anything like that. Because uh, over time, there's not really much you can do to avoid that. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I, I have a similar shelf next to my bed as well, or a drawer, I should say, uh, just filled with, you know, different tube tubes, different, you know, packaging, like you said. So I mean, Personally, I would just hold, kind of keep holding on to it until there is a more, uh, you know, kind of foolproof way to get it recycled. You could maybe try disassembling them slightly, uh, taking out, you know, like the glass housing from the outside versus the atomizer. And then you could recycle the, you know, kind of individually that way. But it's tough to say that there's not really a whole, you know, recyclable throwaway unit or program for them yet. You guys could be the first and then, um, you know. That'd be that'd be your legacy is uh, yeah yeah no, it's uh it's definitely something that we want because like you said there there aren't really there's not really anybody with any sort of a recycling program and I'm a consumer myself and I definitely care about the earth so we definitely want to you know if we can lower our environmental impact by any means. Yeah, I um I I can't remember what episode this was, but I reviewed an unlabeled vape like a disposable vape. It was um probably a half gram and then like a disposable battery and on the bottom there was like a flame or something um it didn't have one of those with with most um when i get you know the the carts it has a little container either protecting like the the vape container itself or like a little thing for the mouthpiece so it doesn't get clogged um that one was just kind of loose on a table and i picked it up at a cannabis event and i was thinking man this is this is dangerous i don't even have to press a button i just i can haul on it and it doesn't have any other information on here like i don't know the strain i don't know like the percentage of thc like any other kind of information like a brand um that i could do my research and track back around it i couldn't figure out where that disposable huh. cart came from and i mean they they seem dangerous in both a fun way and also like an e-waste kind of way um so do you i know you folks produce those and you say the demand has been rising yeah definitely i'd say uh so i started in march and over the last i'd say probably like six months or around that there's definitely been a large increase for disposables we actually went to our engineers and had them develop a, a whole new kind of suite of disposable models some two gram disposable models just because of the increase uh you know interest in them so we wanted to have more options for that but yeah like i said i think the cartridges themselves the 510 thread ones those will always be around they're kind of a staple of the vape game but uh i think just because with those cartridges you need a separate battery so i think a lot of people are 
you know, combination of laziness and convenience, you know, just having that whole kind of, you know, throw away all in one unit is a lot easier for a lot of people. I know that at least when I was working in finance and I was in the office, there were a lot of people, there weren't really any disposables at that point, but everybody was ripping on the 510 thread cartridges. And now I still have a lot of friends that work in the industry. And now they say everybody's got, you know, different disposables that they're ripping. So I think, like I said, it comes down to a combination of kind of laziness and convenience at the same time. I'm trying to think of an equal, like, um, like a cognate for like in, like with alcohol, which is another, you know, an adult business that we both function in, um, you know, cause kids, kids can't have cannabis, but I like, it reminds me almost of those little, like, how do I say, like the, the shots that you just peel the plastic lid off yeah. and then you do it and then you have this container. Um, so like those but they may have a number on the bottom and people can say like, oh, you just have to figure out how to do it yourself. However, the powers of laziness and inconvenience, um, like there are issues now with like cashless ATMs being shut down at dispensaries, which means you can't use your card there. You have to. Yeah. So, um, you know, people thought that was a minor inconvenience, but it turns out that's been illegal to do the entire time. And I'm writing an article about it now for Cannabis Connections of Maine. Um, but like people, it's so much easier not to do something than it is to do something. So instead of like, if you have cash on hand, that's great. But if you don't have cash on hand, some people are just going to say, I don't need this. You know, it's not easy enough for me to do. So I'll just, you know, it's easier for me just to go home. And like, I probably have weed there. So dispensaries are losing out. Exactly. Um, I think the planet is also losing out as well. Um, perhaps, you know, with like a, well, okay, so for the shot, shot glass ones I was talking about, those are just little plastic ones that you can dispose of. However, for other areas of alcohol, you know, that's portable consumption, we have like a, what do you call it? Like, um, a bottle deposit. So yep. like, even for those little plastic containers of wine that are like Sutter Home, those are 15 cents a container. So perhaps in the future as an incentive, people could do, you know, like if you're buying a disposable, there's like, okay, this is your, um. What do you call it? This is your bottle deposit, your disposable deposit. And if you bring it yeah. back, we'll give it back to you. I think that might be a good way to, you know, fight e-waste. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, that definitely sounds like something that could potentially work. That would probably come down to the actual dispensaries themselves that their retail fronts. But I'm going to write that down because that's something that I think that maybe we can get to work. See, I am also writing that down. And I was like, oh, I was hoping you would keep talking a little bit longer so I could finish. <laughs> um, but a uh, disposable deposit. Um, yeah. I mean, I I have this grand notion in my head of talking to all these out-of-state companies that come here and think they can take over Maine weed. And I, I could, like, leverage them into being the ones that recycle, you know, all this stuff to get some goodwill from Mainers. But, uh, you know, that's just my little fantasy I trout out in my head when I feel feel good about being a podcaster. Uh, I don't know how much actual power I have, but I appreciate that you're taking notes and, uh, you know, listening to concerns. Yeah, no, I love it. Yeah. Okay. One question I did have is, do people send you their products or is it the other way around? Are they responsible for packaging, um, you know, their own vapes and whatnot? Um, so we can assist with packaging. Uh, it's mainly only uh, our minimum quantity to get involved with packaging is 5,000 units, but we can definitely assist with packaging. Uh, a lot of the times it's kind of easier to keep everything in-house, but it, a lot of the times as well, we might not be the cheapest kind of option. So we always, we're very transparent with everything we do. So if we're telling our clients, you know, if they have a, a different packaging option, that's a little cheaper and it's going to be just as good. We'll tell them to go with that. But 
since, you know, they might be ordering, you know, a lot of hardware from us, it might be easier to keep everything in-house, even at a little bit of a premium. So we, packaging isn't really our main spiel. It's, it's just mainly, like I said, the hardware, but, but it's definitely something that we can assist with. We would just more or less need, you know, their, their graphic design information, and then we would just send it over to the factory. And we have all sorts of different options for, you know, child resistant, non-child resistant, bags, boxes. Child so encouraging. Oh, yeah, that's not exactly. A good one. Exactly. Um, <laughs> no, just if it's going to have like, you know, any sort of a button or like an extra step to, you know, actually make it a little bit difficult to open, like you were saying with uh, the one that you yes. had earlier. Yeah, I would be plumb surprised if a child figured out how to open that, considering it took three adult men, like, you yep. know, cumulatively 10 minutes to figure out how to open this. Um, yeah. so you, you've I joke that I think they're adult proof. <laughs> yes. I wonder what the, like, a, a curious 13-year-olds that are trying to figure out what's in here. That's the perfect age for these puzzle boxes. Yeah. Um, otherwise known as child-proofing. Um, so when you mentioned that products are manufactured in-house, you also mentioned that there's a factory overseas. So yep. how do those two ideas, like, work together? Yes. I mean, we own a majority stake in the factory, and we make everything in-house, like you said. So we source all of raw materials we source all the necessary components and then we have an assembly line at the factory where we actually build and put everything together and um, i'd say at this point probably 85 percent plus of our business is all custom meaning you know we do custom branding on the hardware for the brands themselves versus just a blank cartridge with kind of like the one you mentioned earlier there's no information like nothing else that comes with it so we do a lot of that as well where we actually custom brand for our clients at the factory but it is something that we have a hands-on approach throughout the whole process so we like i said source the raw materials and then we manufacture at the factory and then if they want custom branding we'll brand it for them and if we're doing packaging then we'll even do all that on the packaging as well so it's a uh, depending on what the client's looking for, it can be, you know, us from start to finish doing everything for them. Cool. So when it comes to putting product inside of the containers, are customers responsible for that or can they ask you for help as well? Like putting um, you know, the actual concentrates in? Yeah. So we don't actually touch any of the concentrates or anything. Our our kind of job ends once we deliver the hardware. But, but with that being said, you know, we are experts with all of our products. So if, you know, we're, we're very dedicated to our clients, so I, they all have my direct lines. So if they have any questions when it comes to filling or anything at all that comes up throughout the process, we're just a phone call or a text away. And if they're close enough, you know, I've even driven out to people's facilities to help them kind of troubleshoot some of the hardware if they've been having issues or anything and really try and get to the bottom of it. But yeah, we cool don't actually you. fill it or anything like that. Yeah, I've, I've tested all of them. Anytime we do a new model or anything, I'll fill it myself here just to see, you know, how it's done. Like maybe if there's any pain points with it and I'll give our factory, you know, feedback sometimes maybe like, hey, change this, do that. But um, yeah, no, it's uh, we don't actually physically do it for them, but we're there to help them with that throughout any step of the process if they do need it. Do you make your own concentrate, Zach? Um, I have a few times, uh, I've done, you know, just, I have a few friends that had grown in the past couple of years and they'll bring over some of their stuff and I have a rosin press. So we'll press out some rosin. Um, I just started growing myself. I've done a few runs, but the quality of it's not quite there to press yet, but that is an ultimate goal. Once, uh, once I can kind of dial it in a little bit more, I definitely like to press out some, uh, some high quality rosin. 
Well, I look forward to seeing your own personal, like your face on the side of the vape tube. I'm like, oh, this is Grandpa <laughs> Walsh's uh, secret family recipe. Yeah, I'll, I'll make sure that you get one if I do. Oh, that'd be lovely. And I'll, I'll review it on the show. And oh, you even back. better, even better. <laughs> yeah, very cool. Um, I have a couple questions before we go. Um, while jumping back a little bit back to sustainability, if there is a way to make like, um, you know, the atomizer is probably metal. Um, and I know there are ceramic components and glass components to a container. Whoever you were talking about, you know, made, like the way you could recycle this is by taking everything apart. Would there be like some material um, that you could make an entire vape cart out of? Or is the technology just not there for that yet? Because I feel like that would be like, oh, if this is all one thing, you can just, you know, chuck it in the all one thing pile as opposed to, you know, ceramic, glass and, you know, metal. Um, so I don't think the technology is quite there yet. At least I haven't heard anything like that um like i mentioned all of them individually like the glass tube that's going to be easily recyclable and our, our atomizers themselves are just a ceramic heating element there's actually no metal or anything in it um so if you did get our you know all ceramic cartridge that one is just you know it's going to be all ceramic on the inside so that's going to be a lot more recyclable than you know some of the stainless and other components in the other cartridges but the, the real killer, because on the disposables and anything, is just that lithium ion battery. So that's why we've kind of been trying to push, you know, either the 510 thread cartridges or the pods themselves. Because with that way, you know, you just buy one battery and then you get a cartridge or a pod system instead of just buying a whole new disposable with a brand new battery every time. And that, you know, that'll add up quick with uh, the amount of batteries and everything that are being put out there. I agree. I wish, like, in a video game, you have to do resource management and, like, Fallout and other games, you have weight. I don't know. I wish people could put that, like, that resource management on their soul and think about, you know, all the, the recyclables they're throwing away that could be recycled. And, you know, look deep in your heart and see how much weight you are carrying. I know. I know. I will say, though, in uh, kind of a, a lighter note, that over the last, in that same time frame I mentioned that we've been seeing an update tick in disposables i feel like i've seen an equal amount of people that are also like no i don't want to even like look at disposables because it hurts my soul with what we're doing to the planet so on a good note there at least i have seen a lot of people that are opposed to them you know that person so that said that, that was me with a mustache care. on yeah <laughs> <laughs> i love it yeah so i noticed um pretty a pretty unusual looking um so with vapes from what i've noticed there are some that are kind of contoured like specifically the tip some are contoured some are just a circle and a bit unpleasant to pull from um so there's variety in the the tips and what have you however i've never seen a slurpy disposable one before that had like a straw kind of element do you want to say a little bit about that that i i noticed on the website yeah for sure so i mean that's Slurpee, that top, uh, anytime we, we like to put that one out, any of the shows that we go to on our table, because people walk by and they either have one of two reactions, either love it and they're like, oh, what is that? That's really cool. Or they just absolutely hate it. And they're like, you know, what, what the hell is that? Like, what is that thing? Um, so My that's little Satan zipper. Yeah, exactly. People, it's like I said, it's one of those two reactions, but it always does get a lot of looks. It's definitely interesting looking. Uh, personally, it's not my favorite tip. Um, honestly, I think that if it was, wasn't on an angle if we did it upright i think it would be a little bit easier to use but on an angle it's kind of weird sometimes when you're hitting it but mm -hmm. that's just our uh, our basic kind of stick disposable model we can do a number of different caps on those so we have you know wood tips that we could do any sort of different colors we have different shapes sizes kind of a little bit 
to everything. But yeah, that Slurpee is definitely the one that gets the most looks for sure. I, I imagine, like, you know, if you guys were trying to not reach a younger audience necessarily because, you know, cannabis is, you know, 18, 21 plus. But, like, I imagine the Slurpee could be, like, um, shit, have you seen Jurassic Park? That DNA yeah. model that, like, floats around and is a cartoon and whatnot, like how Clippy was for, you know, um, computers. Like, there's, like, an animated version of, like, the Slurpee disposable and uh, <laughs> with googly eyes and everything and animation. Um, oh, that would be funny. That could set you apart. <laughs> so something we'll have to talk to our graphics team about maybe get that done <laughs> oh that would be that would be something i'd be excited for um <laughs> we are unfortunately out of time zach um where would you like people to find you yeah so i mean uh, i'm super active on instagram it's just at cvc east uh, i have my picture there and everything so see it's me there uh if you have any questions or anything if you want to find out a little bit more about our products uh, you can go to our website. It's just coastalvapeco.com. And uh, my direct line as well, if you want to talk anything vape related to, I'm always by it. Uh, it's 857-869-7710. So, and don't ever hesitate to reach out. I'm always happy to chat. I, I call you in the middle of the night. You think it's a vape emergency, but in reality, I'm just asking, you know, can dogs donate blood? <laughs> you'd be surprised i've gotten some random late night calls for vapes before <laughs> yeah well um you know it's good that good that you're open to that kind of experience um all right that is all the time we have thanks for listening our theme music is the irish washroom and as arranged by maylee charles you can find pot lucky on apple music google music and spotify we also have an instagram page feel free to post pictures of your smoking materials and tag me in them at pot lucky podcast like what we do and want to see us grow? Consider supporting us on Anchor.fm. You will hear from me next week. Zach will be vaping up a storm elsewhere. Uh, so we'll <laughs> say goodbye together. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, thank you, Zach.